I hope everybody is well this morning. We've got a new sermon series uh, starting for the next six or or seven weeks, actually, including today. But I thought I'd start with a very serious story. A dying man got his three best friends together at his bedside. There was a doctor, a lawyer, and a pastor. It's not serious. It's a joke. Just in case you hadn't worked it out yet. And uh, he hands each of them an envelope with $25,000 cash in it. And he makes them each promise that when he dies, that they will put the envelope in the casket um, because he was determined to take his money with him. Uh, A week later, he dies, and uh, at the visitation, the doctor and the lawyer and the pastor, they each put an envelope in the casket um, before it was shut. And about a month later, the three men meet by chance, and uh, the pastor is feeling guilty. He confessed that he only put $10,000 into the casket, and uh, he said it it seemed like such a waste, and so he'd given the other $15,000 to uh, a mission in Africa. Well, the doctor then told the other two that the envelope he left only had 8,000 in it. Uh, He decided that it was a waste as well, and so he'd given the rest to cancer research. Well, the lawyer was outraged. Uh, He told the two men how disappointed he was with both of them. Uh, I'm the only one who kept my promise. Uh, I want you to know that I put the full amount in the casket. I wrote out a personal check for it, and I put it right in there. (laughs) Promises, promises. Um, As we open the Bible today, we are starting our new series from Genesis chapters 12 to 25. And this is a story that is all about promises. Um, Particularly, it's about God's promise to Abraham and how those promises play out in his life. Um, But more than that, this section of the Bible is actually kind of like Bible 101. This helps us understand the rest of the Bible. It's a foundational promise that teaches us about God's promises, not only to his people, but to us thousands of years later. So why don't we pray, and then we're going to ask God to speak to us. Um, Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, as we open this part of the Bible today, will you remind us of all of your promises to us? Uh, Will you grant us faith to trust in those promises? And we pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. Uh, Well, it's so good to be back in the book of Genesis with you. Um, If you've been at the church for a while, um, the last time we studied Genesis was back in the end of 2020. uh, And we studied the first 11 chapters, Genesis 1 to 11, the very first uh, first opening chapters of the Bible. Uh, If you're anything like me, this is a bit like watching season two or season two of a miniseries. You're like, I can't really remember what happened in season one. The good news is that if you opened your Bible, we're actually only on about page 15. This was page 15 of my Bible. So you could go back this week and with a cup of coffee, you could read all of chapters 1 to 11, probably take you an hour or maybe less. Um, And if you do that, then you might also consider reading chapters 12 to 25 over the next six or seven weeks as we study it in church. Um, By reading along with the sermon series, it's one of those ways to get extra value out of what we do in church. It gives you a a second chance to reflect on what God is saying to you and maybe the the ideas that I've suggested. And uh, it also allows you to uh, to really apply, I guess, the Bible to yourself. Um, Some of you and some of us uh, will be using um, Bible study notes. So some of our groups are are using these Abraham and the Promises of God studies over the next few weeks as we chase this story of Abraham. Uh, He starts as Abram today. If you'd like to uh, join a group doing that, we've got some evening groups, we've got some morning groups, um, and some daytime midweek groups. Uh, Let us know if you'd like to join a group. The other thing you could do is pick up a paper copy today, 
You could take them home and study them uh, by yourself. It would be better to study them with a friend. Make an appointment with somebody once a week, coffee date, and uh, study the Bible and dig deeper. Uh, anyway, um, there are two themes from the backstory, Genesis 1 to 11, that are really going to help us as we open and start this series from Genesis 12 today. And the first idea is blessing. Um, this is a reminder of what happened in chapters 1 to 11. See, in Genesis 1, God created the world, and uh, he created everything in it, and it was all good. And on the sixth day, he created men and women in his own image, and, and he blessed them. And he blesses them, and he tells them to be fruitful and multiply and to be rulers over the earth. That's Genesis 1:27. He looks at everything, and it's very good, he says. And so right from the first chapter of the Bible, we see that God wants to bless human beings. That's his nature. That's his disposition towards us. God's plan for his people is to bless them. And the world is very good when people are enjoying God's blessing. Right there in the beginning, blessing is God's natural inclination when it comes to creation. And especially to people like you and me, people who he made in his own image. And it's really important to remember that theme of blessing because the other big theme of Genesis 1 to 11 is curse. And the goodness of creation is tainted when Adam and Eve ate the fruit that God told them not to eat. And they distrusted God and they disobeyed God and they, they really disrespected God who handed them all of this blessing. And so humanity had its first taste of God's judgment. Instead of blessing, Adam and Eve understood the curse of sin, which brings death, it brings guilt, it brings shame. And it ruins the perfect world that they lived in, the perfect world that God had made them, uh, made for them. And so curse becomes a theme in those early chapters. But despite the intrusion of sin, God never gives up on his plan to bless creation and to restore it all to good order. And, and so even in the midst of this judgment of Adam and Eve, um, God actually shows his mercy. I mean, he hints that curse will give away to blessing, that judgment will give away to mercy. Uh, there's a little promise about the serpent being crushed. The source of evil will one day be destroyed and evil will not ultimately prevail. And we see that little cycle continue in chapters 4 to 11. There's Cain and Abel. There's a murder of a brother. There's judgment and there's mercy. There's the Noah and the flood, judgment and mercy. Tower of Babel, judgment gives way to mercy and curse gives way to blessing. And God's character remains faithful to his original purposes for creation. Despite every sin of humanity, God will restore blessings to his people. And so that brings us to chapter 12 where we are today. This story of Abraham, uh, he is the major character for the next 12 or 13 chapters, all the way up to 25. And this is a story about promise. Uh, this is the story of God promising that he will restore blessings to all of the people of the earth through Abram. Um, Abraham, we normally call him. At this point of the story, he's called Abram. We'll get to that later. And so we meet Abram back in chapter 11. I haven't got it in your uh, notes today. There was too much Bible already. But we meet him. Um, Abram is descended from Noah's son, um, Shem. So Noah has three sons. Two of them are bad, and one of them is good. Shem is the good one. And uh, Abram is related. He's a descendant of Shem. And in the generations since the great flood, um, the tribes had spread all, all over the world, and, and particularly the Middle East. And Abram's family, they're living far east uh, in a place that would be modern-day Iraq, or southern Iraq. Um, they're living in a place called Ur of the Chaldeans. 
Um, we actually know quite a bit about uh, the Chaldean society, this Ur of the Chaldeans, um, thanks to a couple of archaeologists. It's all a little bit Indiana Jones. Um, in 1862, Henry Rawlinson um, identified one of these mounds of ruins uh, as Ur of the Chaldeans, and then it was excavated in the 1920s by Leonard Woolley. And uh, what it revealed was that Ur was this city built around worshipping the moon. Um, that was their whole identity as moon worshippers, a fantastic um, ziggurat, a kind of tall uh, tower that they did that from. And this moon worship, it seems, was also the religion of Abram's family. And um, so his father, Terah, um, his, uh, his sister-in-law slash niece, um, it was a small tribe, um, his sister-in-law niece called Milcah, um, even his wife Sarai, all of their names are derived from the Ur moon-worshipping culture. They're all related to that religion and the gods of Ur. So that's Abraham, right? He's this nomadic moon-worshipper from the Middle East and he's lived his entire life within the tribal context of his family, a family small enough that marriage between close family members wasn't unusual. And this is the man that God speaks to. God speaks to this man and he calls him to a very different life than the one that he'd been living. And this is where chapter 12 comes in at verse 1. You have this on your sheets. So the Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land that I will show you, and I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse and all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. That's Genesis 12, 1 to 3. That's three huge promises that God gives to Abram. He's, he, he promises to give him this land. He promises to make Abram's family into a great nation, so land and nation. And third, he promises to bless Abram, and then in fact to bring blessing to the entire world through Abram's family. Three promises, land, nation, blessing, and these promises to Abram right here, these are actually the key to understanding the big story of the Bible. Uh, all of the Old Testament from now on is an unfolding of these three promises uh, and the story of how God keeps his promises, um, the story of how God brings his people into his special place and how he blesses them again. It's actually a restoral of what happened in the garden. The curse will be returned to blessing. The people will be returned to the place of God, and they'll live forever. These are brilliant promises, aren't they? Now, these are great promises, but we have a little bit of trouble with promises as humans. We know that promises are easily made, but they're much harder to keep, aren't they? Um, even when we have the best intentions to keep our promises as humans, uh, we often just don't have the capacity to keep the promises that we make. Promises are hard to keep. And when we look at these promises that God made to Abram, they look like difficult promises to keep. God promised him a land and, and a nation and a blessing. But there are a bunch of obstacles that stand in the way of God fulfilling these promises. And the great nation, turns out Abram is already 75 years old. His wife Sarai is 65 already. And uh, as a couple, they've not been able to conceive. Uh, she's infertile. And so God promises to make Abram's family into this great nation. And, and you wonder, how is this going to happen when they can't have children? 
Perhaps Abram could bring with him all of his father's family and all of that. Maybe that will be the start of the great nation. But God actually says, no, you need to leave them behind. Leave all of your people behind. He says, go from your country, go from your people and your father's household and go to the land that I will show you. Most of us would count our families as some kind of blessing. And God wants Abraham to leave that blessing behind. He wants him to leave behind his family and his roots and even his identity, his religion, to answer this call. It's hard not to see that as an obstacle to God's promise being fulfilled. And then the land that they're going to go to, well, that's another obstacle. It's the land of Canaan, and it's filled with Canaanites. And they're not going to want to turn over their land to this guy. There's so many obstacles, and so I keep wondering, how could Abraham trust that God would keep his promises? How could Abraham trust God enough to pack up everything he had and to follow after this impossible-seeming promise? Would you have done it? I'm not sure that I would have. Um, It seems almost impossible. How can anybody trust that God will keep his promises? Now, our problem with promises is that we're used to human promises, we're used to broken promises, and, and, and broken promises lead to broken hearts. We learn not to trust the person who breaks their promise. And we often have trouble trusting people's promises. But what if the promise maker was not like us? What if he was not like us? What if the promise maker had the power to do whatever it was that he promised? And what if the promise maker, in fact, was not able to not do what he'd promised? In other words, it was impossible for him not to keep his promises. He had to keep every promise he made because of his character. And it's not in his nature to lie. Well, that is the sort of promise maker that God is. And so when God reveals his character to us in the Bible, what he's telling us, he's showing us that he is trustworthy and true. Uh, He's faithful in everything. I read a little bit of Psalm 33 right at the beginning today. We're going to come back to it. It says in Psalm 33, verse 4, the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. God is trustworthy and true. His word is a reflection of his character. And the words that come out of God's mouth, they're consistent with his character. They're good and they're faithful and they're helpful. And so God's word is his promise. Um, Did you notice that even though I've been talking about promises, the word promise doesn't occur once in Genesis 12. It's not there. And in fact, it doesn't need to be there. Um, There is no Hebrew word for promise. There's other words for covenants and contracts, but here God speaks a word and his word reshapes the world. His word is his promise. And it's not the first time that God's word has reshaped the world. Um, Psalm 33 continues in verse 6. It says, By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. Do you remember that? He spoke, and everything came into being. The starry host by the breath of his mouth, for he spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. The Lord foils the plans of the nations. He thwarts the purposes of the peoples. But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purposes of his heart stand firm through all generations. So God's word is his promise. And so when God promises land and nation and blessing to Abram, it was impossible for God not to make good on his promise. And over the next seven weeks, we're going to see these promises of God unfold, or at least begin to unfold. First to Abram, we're actually going to see how they unfold for us too. 
because we are included in this story. These promises, they're not just a nation-building story from 3,000 years ago. These promises are, uh, actually help us to understand what God has been doing in the world ever since the time of Abram, ever since then. They help us to understand where God is taking this world and, in fact, where he's taking us. Land, nation, and blessing, that's our story, and it's our inheritance too. Because when we come to the New Testament, it says that it's through Jesus that all of the blessing that came to Abraham actually comes to the rest of the world, to Gentile people, um, to people who are not born Jewish. That's probably most of us here. And so I've put the verse there in uh, Galatians. Uh, It's on your handout, Galatians chapter 3. It says this, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. There's that curse and blessing again. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it's written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. That's an idea about the cross. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. There it is, blessing and curses. God's promise coming to us through Jesus Christ. Jesus redeems us from the curse of sin so that we can receive the blessing and become part of God's family. By faith, we're actually part of Abraham's family, this family of God. And this is the family of God who gather not in an earthly city, but in a heavenly city, an eternal city, to live with Jesus forever and ever, just like it was in the beginning. God's people in God's place under God's blessing before the curse, just like that, when everything was good. That's a promise for us and for everyone who has their faith in Jesus. The question is, As always, can you trust that promise? Because you and I, we're like Abraham. Uh, Even though God promises this eternity with him through Jesus, uh, there seem to be so many obstacles standing in the way between now and then, don't there? I mean, I've never seen God, but I'm supposed to trust him and and to trust in Jesus. I've been praying forever and I just don't feel like God is answering my prayers. Or my life has been one letdown after another. How can I trust that there's a God who's looking out for me? Maybe I feel angry, maybe I feel betrayed, maybe I feel the weight of my sin, maybe I feel nothing at all as I sit here listening to this. Is that you? God has a word for you this morning, and this comes from the other end of the Bible, Hebrews, in chapter 11. It's this fantastic chapter all about how God's promises come true, even when we can't see them necessarily. And we get to follow the example of those who've put their faith in God's promises, even when they couldn't see So uh, read this with me from Hebrews 11. Read along with me. In verse 8, it says, By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place that he would later receive as his inheritance, he obeyed and he went, even though he didn't know where he was going. By faith he made his home in the promised land like a, a stranger in a foreign place, a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. He wasn't looking forward to a human city. He was looking forward to the city that God would make. Verse 11. By faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, she was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. See, it wasn't about her ability. It was about God's ability. He is the one who is faithful. Brothers and sisters, God has prepared a place for us. Do you remember when Jesus said that? 
My Father's house has many rooms. God has prepared a place for us, a city for us, a land of blessing. And he's called you to be part of his people by faith in Jesus Christ. And the one who made this promise is faithful. And so the question is, will you trust him? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we look at these promises that seem so far off in the future, a story that came from so long ago. We ask, Lord, that you would help us to trust you, trust your promises. We know that you are faithful and true, but sometimes we doubt. Father, overcome our doubt and give us faith through Jesus Christ that all of these blessings will come to us. And we pray in his mighty name. Amen. Thank you.